Instead of having church, we go out and <laughs> be the church, not beat the church. We're not going to beat each other up. Um, hey, open your Bibles to the book of Colossians if you have your Bibles with you or if you have them digitally. And also, if you need a notebook, I think there should be more notebooks back there in the J-Rock, and we will order some more. But you're free to walk back there and grab some because it's going to be a very note-taking type of message. But they kind of have been already. Um, and part of the reason I like the note-taking um, is because even if you just write it down and you don't go back to it very often, when you write something down, it gets stuck in your brain a little bit better than normal, so, um, and it helps you contemplate or reflect on some of the things we're looking at. Does that sound good? So take some notes, even if it's on your phone, and uh, that'll be great. Um, so we have two more weeks, this week and next week of Colossians, and we finished the book, so it'll be great. This week is kind of a two-parter, I think. It was just going to be a one-parter, but I think I'm going to spend more time uh, on the first part, and so we'll talk about that. But um, so, I, so in, in case you guys don't know, so man, many of you um, MC leaders have probably heard this already, and many of you elders and staff have already heard this. But we as a church are feeling God pushing us more towards this word that I like to call decentralization. And decentralization is a fancy word for um, just the church being the church and everybody in the church using their gifts. Um, because if you really think about it, on a typical Sunday morning service, how church usually goes is the pastor is the one who's done all the research. He's the one who's prayed throughout the week. He's the one who's heard from God. And he gives you what he has, what he has gathered. And that's good. And I think that's awesome. Um, and that's very, in a way, that's very centralized. But the, the reality is each of us has the same Holy Spirit that's in me. And so God wants the whole church to be using their gifts on a whole Sunday morning. So sometimes when I ask you guys to pause in the sermon or reflect, it's really I want you to hear from the Holy Spirit too, right? Because this verse that we're talking about today, there is like seven or eight or nine different sermons you could pull out of this because God is saying so much in these six verses, right? You following me? And so I want to give space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you guys and speak to you before I jump in, and, and then we could go from there. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage in its entirety, and then I'll, I'll give you guys a few minutes to journal what the biggest thing that pops out to you from this passage, okay? Does that sound good? So once I read it, and it'll be on the screens for you, you guys could journal what's like the biggest thing that pops out to you. I know there might be a couple, but write down just one. Um, that it sticks out to you. And, and maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching you, okay? So here it is. Colossians 4, verse 2 through 6, says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the, of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay? Take a minute, read it, pray. I'll just stand up here while you guys do that. And write it down in your journal.
I think somebody back there, like, what, is that the click track through the house? Oh, it's the fan? <laughs> I thought you guys were doing like a tick, tick, tick. All right. I would give you guys 10 minutes, but I want to get you out of here before it turns 90 degrees up in here. Um, okay, this is our passage. Um, I'm really only going to get to a couple of the first verses, and then we'll get to the second part next week, next Sunday. So maybe what you wrote down will get hit more next week than this week, um, but I want to give it time. Part of the reason this turned into two is because I started writing it, and I got, I got through here, and then this filled up four pages, and my sermon length is usually four to five pages. And this first verse brought me, like, to four pages, and I was like, Lord, you're doing something, so I'm going to just wait on that and not just pack in the rest of this in, in today. Does that make sense to everybody? It's like, God, I feel like you're leading us somewhere. I don't want to, like, just jam in a bunch of stuff just to get it in. I'd rather just take our time because we have all summer. We have all year. We could even extend it if we want to. But I don't want to keep you guys here for three hours on a Sunday morning with no AC. So, by the way, so you guys get an extra jewel in heaven for being here. No parking lot, no AC. Um, okay, so the, the first thing I have a question for, for you guys, it kind of goes to the first verse. The first question I have for you is this. How is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? What I mean by prayer life is how is your prayer habits? How is your prayer rhythms? How, like, how, do, how is that going in your life? Would you describe it as fruitful? Would you describe it as, man, powerful? And is it something that is just a huge part of your day? Is it, is it could it use work? Um, you know, how is your prayer life? And the verse that we look at is the first one, obviously, is, is verse 2. It says, continue steadfastly in what? This is Paul giving a charge to the church. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So that's how this whole verse starts. He's like, he's like I want you guys to continue steadfastly in prayer. And so at one thing we have to realize is as believers, there is no substitute for prayer. There's zero substitute for prayer. It's like God calls us to be a praying church, and there's nothing else we can switch out for that. And what I mean by that is if we're about to do a ministry activity or we're about to do an outreach or we're about to do every 12th or you're about to share the gospel with your friends, family, and neighbors, prayer is more important than all the preparation that you will do other than prayer, right? And sometimes we want to do the work, which is, hey, I need to prepare. I need to get all this stuff ready. I need to make sure I'm reading enough books. I need to do all this. When God is really like, I really just want you to pray. You know, you're, you're, like, here's a good example. Like, some of you might be worried about, like, where should I send my kid to school? And so you spend 90% of your effort researching schools and emailing teachers and doing all this stuff to try to get your kid into the right school when really the best work you could do is just praying to the Father who really could work out all those details on the side. Does that make sense? And so the way I view prayer is usually... Pray as it all depends on God and work as if it all depends on you. So I'm not saying not to do the work, but I'm saying there's really no substitute for prayer. There's no substitute for it. Prayer is the oxygen of the church. Prayer is the oxygen to your life. It's what helps the church breathe. And when the, when the church is void of prayer, that's when the church suffocates and dies. 
right? Like that's why at 9.15 out in the lobby, we pray every Sunday morning and just that's the best thing we could do. That's really the best thing we could do is invite God to be a part of this and, and ask God to be a part of this. So prayer is the oxygen of your life. Prayer is the oxygen of the church. And it uses the word steadfastly. Now, if, if you, like, maybe you're not a, a linguistical genius like me and you don't know what steadfastly means, um, the ESV has it differently. So the ESV says this, devote yourself to prayer. He's saying, church, devote yourself to prayer. So it means, like, uh, like uh, stay devoted in prayer. To be diligent in, to, be con- to give constant attention to, to grow and not grow, uh, to grow and not go faint, to not grow faint in prayer. So these are all what devote yourselves in prayer means. To be diligent in prayer, um, to give constant attention to prayer, and to not go f- grow faint in prayer. And so, and and that's like the question is, um, are we devoted in prayer? Is your prayer life like is one of them? We would say is like, are you devoted in prayer? And so, like I feel uh, in general. The church in America, like, prayer isn't, I, I feel like just as a broad, painting with a broad brush, prayer isn't something we prioritize a lot. And I'll tell you why in a nutshell. Um, number one, we live in a very production-based society. Many, many of you here work in factories where you are valued on how much you produce, not based on, like, you know, how good of an employee you are, but just how much you produce. And so when we think about getting to work as a church, we think about, hey, let's get to work, let's get it done. And prayer, to a lot of people, feels unproductive. Right? Imagine if you showed up to work, and you were there for eight hours at the factory, at your machine, and you told your boss, I want to spend the first two hours of my day in prayer before I jump in. (laughs) What would they say? (laughs) They'd be like, you better get your butt to work. (laughs) And I feel like sometimes when the church detours off of our normal, regularly scheduled program, and we do like a prayer service, it's typically speaking one of the lowest attended services we do, right? Like, remember when we were like this close to buying this building, we had a prayer service at the last building, like, like just seeking out God, and I mean, out of 200 people, like eight or nine people came, and I'm like, guys, this is like, this is the time where we got to be on our knees, like uh, going before God and saying, let's not make a mistake here. And I'm not saying that. I know people have busy lives. But dang, I was thinking 50%. <laughs> and it's just the way it is. I talked to a, uh, I went to a conference, as some of you may know, like in Nashville a couple months ago or a month ago. And there was this uh, pastor of a prominent church that was really pushing prayer in his church. And he was saying that on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock when our service started, we didn't have a worship team. We didn't have a sermon planned. All we did is said, hey, guys, we are going to pray this morning. So we're going to pray and seek God and just pray for this Sunday morning service. And he's like, everybody just break up in groups of five or ten and pray. And he said they did that. And he said as soon as they went to go break up, he said about 30% of the people left. They just walked out the back door. They're like, I thought it was, you know, we're having church today. And he was saying, you know, it broke his heart because he's saying, we thought we were praying church. And 30, 40% of the people just left at that point because they weren't getting a service, right? They weren't getting the, the, the worship experience. They weren't getting the sermon. They were just meeting to pray, right? And they were like, eh, eh. And I think that's, 
indicative of how we all are, of, of viewing it as unproductive. And, and, you know, if we view that, like, when we pray that we are entering the throne room of God and we have the privilege of standing before the throne of God who holds the whole universe in his hands, and we have that awesome privilege of being like, oh, this is, this is important. And when the church gathers to pray, it's, it's super important. And um, so, you know, I, I want to say that I think this is an area we, we, there's room to grow here as a church and as a people. So a lot of this, the next portion of this message is about, like, individually us in our prayer lives, in our quiet places. Because I think we all have quiet places where we go to pray, and I think uh, that's good. Um, I think prayer is something good that God wants us to do, but I don't think uh, we believe that, the, the, that there's the power of God behind it. And so we believe it's something good to do, but sometimes we doubt that the power of God is actually behind it. Some people say this, two things. God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. It's kind of like, well, you know, God's going to do what he, and that's not true. It says in the Bible, you do not have because you do not ask. He's saying you do not have because you, do, you haven't asked for it. And so he's saying you're not praying. And so like, you know, there, it does, it, it, it is important, and God is going to do something. And the other one people say is, I don't want to bother God with my prayer request. Anybody here ever felt that way? Like, I don't want to bother God. Yeah, I think sometimes we all are like, you know, like, I want to pray that this pie turns out good for this party I'm having, but there's kids dying of hunger in Africa. Like, why am I wasting God's time? And that couldn't be farther from the truth. When we say that, we're saying, hey, God, I don't believe you're big enough to handle these big things, or I don't think you're big enough to handle the little things. And so God's like, I could handle the peach cobbler that you got going on for your party later. I could help you with that, and I could help somebody who has cancer, and I could help this, but ask me for everything because it's important. So that's some ways we get off. But prayer, prayer sometimes is a churchy thing that we don't like to say. Um, we don't like to say. We don't like to, to bring up. And, 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 and how many times have we said this? Somebody brings up something to you at church, and they say, hey, I'm going through this. I'm going through this issue. And what do we say? I'll be praying for you. How many times have we never actually prayed for that person and what they said? I, and I know I have, and I'm a pastor, so I just assume other people have too. <laughs> That's why, like, when somebody says, hey, I'm going through something, I'm like, hey, can I pray for you right now? Right? And just say, hey, and I'll put my hand on their shoulder and pray for them right now. Not that I'll forget, but if I don't have my notebook with me, you know, chances are, among other things, we might forget. Um, or we say on Facebook, I'm praying for you, or prayers and love, and we write out the prayer hand emojis, but we're not actually doing the prayer, right? <laughs> and it's like, we got to pray. We got we to gotta be serious about it. We need to get serious about our prayer times, and I think individually we need to get serious about our prayer times as people. Why? Because our families depend on it. If you have children or grandchildren, they depend on it. Your spouse depends on it. Your wife or your husband depends on it. Um, your church family depends on it. It is very important. And my prayer for this passage and for you is that we be found a faithful praying church. Amen? And that we are found faithful. And like, if Paul's writing to us, he's like, hey, I know Jericho Road Church is devoted to prayer. I know they're devoted to it. I see it in their life. I see it in their rhythms. I see it in their habits. And so, would you describe yourselves as devoted in prayer? And I know you're saying, hey, I pray 
throughout the day. And I, I pray that's good. I pray throughout the day, and First Thessalonians says this, pray continually, like pray without ceasing. Like don't stop, pray all the time. Um, but I think there's some good habits that we should structure into our prayer life, okay? And so I'm going to share with this today is four practices to weave into your prayer life. Four practices to weave into your prayer life. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I think it'll be good. Um, I feel like God wants to speak to us today. So the first is this. Um, have a prayer journal. If you don't have a prayer journal, have a list. Even if it's on the back of like a CVS receipt, if that's your prayer list, that's great. You don't need a fancy journal, all right? You could have a, uh, you know, a napkin, and you could write out your prayers. But I think having a list when we pray is incredibly important. Incredibly important. Maybe some of you have photographic memories, and so every prayer request that's going on in your life with your children and your grandchildren and your next-door neighbor and your church family, maybe it's just like a steel trap up there. But I'm not like one of those waiters at a restaurant. You guys ever go to a restaurant, and the waiter takes everybody's order, and they don't write it down? Do you guys ever see those people? You're like, whoa, look at you. Better not mess up my dressing. Because we just gave you six orders trying to act cool, not writing things down. But I like the waiters that write stuff down. Um, and also, if you're like me, if I go to the grocery store, I better have a doggone list. Right? Why? I'm going to forget something. Well, sorry, what were you saying, Mary? Oh. You buy way more than what you need. But for me, like, I forget stuff, right? You get home and you forgot like one thing that you really needed. And I feel like if we want to get serious about our prayer lives, we have to have a prayer list where we're writing down every single thing. And so what I do is I have a prayer journal, and I'm not telling you it has to look exactly like me, but I'm saying what I do is I have a prayer journal, and I journal out kind of what I did each day and what I'm reading in the Bible. But I also have like a double pages of my journal that's devoted to what I'm praying for. And it's like I number them, you know, 1 through 50. And when that page gets filled up, I'll go to another page. And this is what I do. I write down every prayer request. I ask my children, what do you want me to pray for you about? I ask my wife, what can I pray for you about? And I'll write it down. People at church, I'll write down their things. You know, Maya's on there and other, other church needs. And I put it on the prayer list, and I pray for those things one after another every day. And when I see that the Lord answers those prayers, I write praise next to it, and I circle it. And so if you look at my prayer journal any given day, you'll see random praises throughout, right? Simple things like the J-Road cookout last weekend. I pray that it's a great atmosphere. I pray that it's good weather. I pray that we have enough food. And then it was an awesome day, awesome turnout. We write praise. We circle it, you know. But it's so good to go back and see the Lord move in your life, amen? It's like so good to go back and say, wow, you did this, you did this, you did this. And it's like when I see those praises, I go back and I thank God for those all the time. And it's just, if I didn't write down my prayers, my prayer life would be so arbitrary and not very, like, pinpointed. And I want to make sure we have pinpointed prayers. That's why it's important we write it down. Again, another example is somebody reached out to me this week and they said, hey, pray for me um, for the situation I'm having in my marriage, okay? And I said, okay, what do you want me to pray for? Just pray for me. Well, I don't know how to pray for some. Like, tell me what you want. <laughs> you know, like the notebook. What do you want? Any notebook fans? But you know what I mean? And they're like, I don't know, just generally pray for me. 
So I'm going to say, okay, God, I pray for, you know, Billy Bob. I pray for his marriage. It's like that is vast and wide. I'm like, what are you specifically praying about? Oh, pray that we communicate well. Pray that we have breakthrough. Pray that I get along with his in-laws. Pray that we stop fighting. Pray that he stops sleeping in another room of the house. Like, give me some specifics that I could talk to. Because when we pray in specifics, God answers in specifics, and we could celebrate the specifics. Amen? And I'm like, man, if we pray in generalities, how the heck am I going to know that God answered anything I prayed for? I, I think as Christians, we get past like, God, I pray I have a good day. And then I go out and step in a mud puddle, and I'm like, well, that prayer wasn't answered. I stepped in a mud puddle. <laughs> or I find a penny. Oh, God, you answered me. I had a good day. And it's so arbitrary. That's why, like, specific things we pray for, and I think the best way to pray about specific things is have a list. Um, and I think it's good. So the first is with a list. And again, these are practices to weave into your prayer life. These aren't dogmatic things. If you, like I said, have a steel trap and you love your prayer life, you don't, you know, do what's best. But I think prayer lists are the way to go. Okay, second is this. Um, pray behind a closed door every day. Okay, now this might get oddly specific. Um, I think it's important to get alone for like a short period of time every day with Jesus. And now I know some of you have, like I said, kids or grandkids at home. That's a super hard to do. I totally get that. I would find a time where you could get alone. Maybe the kids are sleeping, or, or maybe it's in the morning or at night. Um, it, but carve out time to get alone. Now, where do I get this get behind a closed door? Number one, I talk to a lot of folks, and I ask, how's your prayer life? And they say, well, I pray all the time. Well, if you pray all the time, you know, that's great. I pray all the time too. But, like, do you have a time where you specifically— Five minutes where you shut a door and you just go before the Lord doing nothing else. And for me, I am thankful. I have a guest bedroom down in our basement that I go to every morning. Many of you have seen it. If you've been to my house, I show it off. It's my prayer room. I like it. My journals are there. My Bible's there. I have a nice comfy chair down there. There's a lot of coffee stains around there because I spill my coffee a lot. Um, I'm there every single day. I'm not bragging. I'm not saying I'm doing it any better. I just realize after 15 years of being a Christian and struggling a lot in my walk with Jesus, that I had to get dead serious about my prayer time. And every morning I get in that prayer closet and I put on the armor of God and I get ready to fight the battles that Satan's throwing at me and I could actually be victorious in my life. Amen? And if I'm not serious about that, it's just like I'm just defeated all the time. And so I realized I had to get serious. So behind a closed door. Um, and when we have guests in town, which in the summer we have a lot of guests visiting our house, do you know what I do? I go in our bathroom and I shut the door and I sit on the floor with my journal and my Bible for about 10 minutes. On the bathroom. My head is this close to the toilet. But I do it because there's nowhere else in our house. Like my sister has four kids. Nicole's sister has two kids. The house is just packed. I'll go in the john at 6 a.m. and sit on the floor. Because it's that important, amen? Because I don't want to go my whole vacation or this whole time not having a time where I'm behind a closed door. And we get this... Jesus is talking about how to pray in Matthew 6, 8. He's talking about how to pray. He's like, don't be like the hypocrites. They go on the corner and they raise their hands and they like, so everybody sees them praying. He said, don't do that. Jesus said specifically, um, verse 6, um, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door behind you and pray to your Father who is what? He's unseen. 
And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, Jesus says it, I want to do it, type of thing. Take it very literal that we should go to a room and like shut the door. Um, and I think it's important. It's good to just do that. Now, I also pray all throughout the day. That's super important. But I think it's important to just have that time where we go and close the door for a minute and we're alone, like totally alone. Okay, uh, the third rhythm to weave in your prayer life. Uh, first you have pray with the journal behind a closed door. The other one is on your knees. Again, I'm not saying that you need to pray. Every time you pray, you need to be on your knees. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is a great practice to weave into your prayer life. So oftentimes, I might not get on my knees for like the whole 30 minutes that I'm praying or the whole 10 minutes or 5 minutes I'm praying. But at the end of my prayer time, I'll get on my knees and I'll pray for a couple minutes on my knees before God. I think this is something that's wildly underrated in the church. Like hardly ever we're getting on our knees to pray. And it's important that we get on our knees to pray. So I'm encouraging you to weave this into your prayer life. Where do I see it in Scripture? I have a few verses for you. Um, Luke 22, verse 41. Jesus got on his knees to pray. We see it in the garden right before he's crucified. So if Jesus got on his knees to pray, shouldn't we get on our knees to pray sometimes? Again, Jesus didn't always pray on his knees, but I think it's good to get on our knees every day before God and pray. Acts 20, verse 36, Paul knelt when he prayed. And Psalm 95, verse 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. So important. And there's another verse that I'm sure you're familiar with. It says this, One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. So there's coming a day at the end time judgment, whether you are a believer or whether you're an unbeliever, when the, right before the final judgment, every single person will fall on their knees before God and every tongue will ultimately confess Jesus is Lord. Amen? And so I always think, I want to get on my knees right now and, and get some practice before that day comes of being like, God, I'm getting on my knees before you. And there's something powerful about getting on your knees. If you got bad knees, lay on your stomach. <laughs> lay in your bed in your stomach. That's called laying prostate, prostate, not prostate, prostrate before the Lord. Don't want to bring up any medical conditions, y'all. Oftentimes, I'll lay on my stomach, prostrate before the Lord, praying. And guys, when we position our bodies in a kneeling position, there's something so humiliating about that. There's something so humbling about that, but it lets, it's just a way of submission to God. And so I want to encourage you to get on your knees and pray before God. And I had a question, like, when was the last time you got on your knees before God? How many times did you get on your knees before God in the last 24 hours? How many times did you get on your knees to pray in the last week? Or ever? And so again, I'm not being dogmatic. I'm not being legalistic. I'm saying these are things to weave into your prayer life. I try to make it a habit to get on my knees every day before God. It totally doesn't happen, <laughs> but I try to make it a habit to do it, and I know God loves me and forgives me if I don't. <laughs> so, in the fourth is this, is out loud. I think there's something incredibly important about praying out loud. Okay? 
Now, this might be like some next-level stuff for some of y'all Christians, and I get that. But many times, like I pray in my head often, like if I'm driving or if I'm at my desk meeting with somebody and it's a very intense meeting, I'll pray in my head. I pray in my head all the time. That's okay. It's not bad. God knows your heart. God knows your thoughts. But in the Bible, you never see a case of somebody praying in their head. You never see that in the Bible. Never says, hey, pray out loud, and if you can't, pray up in the old noggin. Like, it never says that. It only, you only see prayers audibly. It's like talking. It's like, hey, Andrew, why don't you ever talk? I'm talking in my head. You know what I mean? Like, it's talk, prayer is talking. It's audibly going out. And when you pray, you are speaking out your prayers. You're speaking out, and Satan, who can't even read your thoughts, is hearing your prayer. And the Bible says when Satan hears the name of Jesus, he flees. And so when you're speaking out your prayers, it's like there's something powerful that's happening in the unseen realm. And remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers, principalities, and spirits. So I want to encourage you guys, when you pray, to pray out loud. It's super uncomfortable at first if you're not used to doing it. But there's something important about praying out loud. And I'm not saying it's bad to pray in your head. Um, it just seems like it's prayers done out loud. The other thing is when you're praying out loud with a list, it's like it's making sense. Because if you're like me and you're praying in your head, sometimes my prayers just start to drift off. And I'm like, Lord, I want to pray for Brian. And oh, crap, I got to mow my lawn. Is there gas in the lawnmower? Oh, oh shoot, I got to go get gas. Honey, I need some gas. Remember, to, I got to get gas. You know, it's like it just trails off. When you're praying out loud, that doesn't often happen. And it is hard. All these things are hard to do. I'm not saying these are easy. But I'm saying, man, if you want a strong, like, fruitful, vibrant, devoted to prayer life, do these things. Do these things. I know prayer is a churchy answer a lot of times. But it's so, so, so powerful. I talk to folks all the time who struggle with a lot of things, a lot of things, like a lot of big things, a lot of um, things that I don't even know much about and I believe are real, like mental illness and other things. And I'm like, like how, how are you approaching God about this? And they're like, this isn't a church thing. This is a physical thing. This, this is not a Stop bringing up prayer. And it's like, it's like why, do we, why do we do that? We're just saying God can't help me through this. God can't give me victory through this. And God is waiting there for you every day. He wants to meet with you every day. And here are some good practices to weave into your prayer life. I got a couple more minutes. A couple more minutes for y'all. One more thing, if you're taking notes. So I decided to end out today talking about the model prayer, the model prayer Jesus teaches, because um, it's super important. Why do I talk about model prayers? I'm not talking about the one prayer Jesus said. Many of you know this as the Lord's Prayer, but it's really a model prayer. And it says this, Jesus says, this is how you should pray in Matthew 6. This is right after he says, go in your room, shut the door, pray to your Father in secret. It says this, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, this day, give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive, uh, we as also we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In this, in this passage, you see a model for praying. And 
there's a couple different models you pray, but one that I use every day and I think is really powerful is called the Acts Prayer. And Acts Prayer has all these things in here. So in this, you see him asking for things, him reaching out in thanksgiving. You know, when he asks God for his daily bread and he's saying, you're the one who provides it, it's a showing of thanksgiving. When he says, hallowed be your name, that's a form of worship. So in this model prayer, you see worship, thanksgiving, confession, and asking for things. But oftentimes when we pray individually, we just jump into asking for things, right? <laughs> and I'm teaching my children how to pray. And it's like, and I, I, again, I'm not like, hey, you don't pray like that. I'm just loving them and seeing how they pray. But it's like, they just think praying is asking God for things. And praying is so much more than that. He wants us to ask him for things. He wants us to ask for healing. But there's so much bigger than that in our prayer times. And I would even go a step further to be like, in our prayer times, that the asking for things should be at the very end, after we've worshipped God, after we've confessed our sin, and after we've thanked God for all we have, then we do it. And it's a good way to make sure that we're being grateful, right? We're giving God praise and glory and honor and all these things. And so, um, I don't know where I found this. I, I probably stole it from somebody, but it's the Acts prayer. And it's found, um, it's not found anywhere, it's just found here, but it's this. There's four traits, worship, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And so acts is adoration. So the first part of your prayer time, just like our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is an act of worship. And so the first part of your prayer time is the A, and acts prayer is adoration. And that's where you simply worship God. Again, the time on this is whatever it is. Usually it's God. You are amazing. God, you are awesome. Like, you are statements about God. God, you are so big, you like created the sun with your words. Like, holy moly, you're so big. And this math test I have coming up is something that you can easily help me remember what I've studied for. <laughs> but it's just worshiping God. And I want to challenge you, if you're not used to this, spend your whole prayer time just worshiping God. And think of different ways to worship God in your words. Like, God, you're awesome. You're big. A mountain, to me, is like an anthill to you. Um, so adoration is the first. Confession is the C. Confession is where you just confess your sins to God. Every day we have a confession time of what do we need to repent of? What do we need to say sorry for? And we confess our sins to God, um, both known or unknown or whatever. Just confess your sins and repent of your sins. Um, the third is thanksgiving, where we Thank God for all we have. Guys, if, if you ever run across anybody who says, I don't have anything to be thankful for, slap them upside the head with love in Jesus and make sure they're the same sex as you so you don't slap a woman or <laughs> vice versa. But slap them upside the head because anybody who's here today has like a 50,000 things to be thankful for. You got clothes on. You, God's clothed you, literally. God has given, given you legs to walk and you've walked here. And at any moment, you could lose your ability to walk, and he got you here. Amen? And if you're griping about all the stuff that people did to you or said to you, it's like, God, you have legs. And God's given you legs and feet. Some people's feet hurt like hell, and they can barely walk. And it's like, God, thank you for my toes. My big toe gives me balance. Thank you, God. God, thank you that I have air in my lungs. God, thank you that I'm here. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my, my car. I, I, you know, maybe it's a rust bucket, but it got you here, didn't it? 
It's like God wants us to thank him and, and like spend time here. And when we've done the three parts of Acts, the S is a big word. Supplication means like asking and making your request to God. And the last part is like ask God for a thousand things. Don't be afraid to ask God for a billion things. That's okay. That's okay. You, you, you've started off by worshiping, confessing your sin, thanking him, and then ask him. Whatever it is, whatever you need, whatever your family needs, ask God because he is willing and he is waiting to hear from you. And the Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. So he wants us to ask. And he loves you. He loves you like a son. He loves you like a daughter. And he wants to be with you every day. And that's what prayer is about. Let me pray. God, I love you and I worship you. And God, I just lift you up. God, you are so big. You created Jupiter, which I haven't even seen before. And you've created it, and you've created all these planets and galaxies that we'll never even see, but are just there to show your majesty and your power. God, I confess all of my sins, and I confess the sins of our church, Lord. We've been lax in areas. We've been lazy in areas. We've neglected prayer, and I ask forgiveness for that. And God, I thank you for all our many blessings. God, I thank you that even though we don't have a parking lot, you've given us plenty of spaces to park in the road. God, even though we don't have AC in here, there seems to be a decent cross breeze. And we have a place to meet where we're out of the sun. And God, I thank you for every piece of food that we have in our cupboards, that you've sustained us, that you put every piece of food there for our nourishment. God, we just thank you. And God, I pray that we are a devoted, praying church. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.